Hey team, Richard Tubb here with a very special edition of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, long-time listeners to this show will know that I am not only very good friends with, but have an immense amount of respect for our next guest. He's been somebody who's been in my life for an incredibly long time now, somebody who I've looked up to even before I met the man, and he's blushing already, but Philip Morgan of PAX 8. Now, for those of you who have been listening to the show for a long time as well, Philip will have been on the show, I think you've been on two, three times, maybe over the hundreds of episodes and things that we've done, but this is the first time I've spoke to you formally with your PAX 8 hat on. So I guess... So for the benefit of anybody who's like, who's this Philip Morgan guy? Um, first of all, let's talk about your role at Pax8, uh-huh. and then I want you to give our audience a little bit of a potted history of your background in the managed service industry, IT, and tech, to give some background on to why I admire you so much. Oh, wow, that's <laughs> going to be a big, long one uh, to, to dive into that. And so I think this is maybe the third or fourth time. I have no idea. Shame, I should know. Yeah. Uh, and thanks, Richard, uh, for A, having me back, and B, thanks for the great work that you do in the community as well, the listeners here. Appreciate all you do every uh, every uh, every time they hear you. Uh, but it takes intentionality, right? To here we are at Managed Services Summit. We've taken time aside to have this uh, conversation. So thanks for the invite to be my back pleasure, again. Mate. So a little bit about my background. Um, as I shared today uh, from stage, uh, today or this month rather uh, is 34 years since my brother and myself uh, started our first company. Uh, from a bedroom in a farm in West Wales. Mm. Uh, It was an office product stationery business. Uh, We got into business machines, typewriters. Do you remember those things? Golf ball and daisy peel. Clunk, clunk, clunk. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, some people listening to this might be old enough to know what a 2819SC or a 2737SC ink ribbon would be. You probably do know what a 51626A cartridge is. I do, and I'm smiling, and I wish you hadn't picked up on that, but yes, I do. (laughs) Okay, right. So, like, we've all got uh, some history. um, And uh, funny, as we were walking today, you talk to me about uh, Novell Network because yeah. that's in your past as well that's and right. mine, right? Um, so we went from there and uh, business service, uh, from business machines in you know, photocopiers and then at the same time the PC revolution. Uh, we built uh, our own brand called Morgan Computers. That's a huge, huge story in itself and retail stores and all of what we were doing. Uh, and then found myself then uh, deciding, uh, you know, with a lot of things that were that were going on. I decided to exit the business with my brother. One in quite a few different things in life. Uh, some people listening might know I happen to be an ordained church minister as well. Mm. Um, so um, it culminated in me stepping back from um, that business and exiting, getting involved in property and other things, um, and uh, then having an opportunity to um, work at Network Group and lead a community. Uh, I was so out of my depth. And I think there's quite a pressure in it, Richard, in the same way as I know you as a former MSP find that same challenge as well. You're leading your peers and like, uh, how do I do that? Because I barely knew what I was doing myself. Yeah. But the thing about having to lead and teach others is you have to study then and you have to get better. And I, I really think I became a better leader thanks to um, the opportunity that the board at uh, Network Group gave me and then left that. Uh, and then the invitation came to me f- to be involved in Continuum. So I was there for a short period of time as well before that was acquired by ConnectWise. 
um, and then uh, left really, really well. I wanted to stay in security and there wasn't a role for me to continue um, the role there. So I left and then the people from PAX 8 came calling and uh, that's the story uh, that I'm telling today then is the PAX 8 story. Yeah. Um, so I've been here now three years. That was like a rocket ship. Wow. Me, eh? Yeah. Um, so been here three years and helping uh, transform the channel. Um, our view at PAX 8 is um, the distribution market and the whole channel is fragmented and somebody needs to unite it, right, and bring it together. And we really think PAX 8 is part of that journey, not all of it, is part of the journey to help MSPs be better. And so, yeah, I'm today Chief Revenue Officer of PAX 8 and Mayor. Well, we'll talk a lot more about PAX 8 as we come. And I know listeners to the show will know I'm a huge fan of PAX 8. You know, uh, I can remember you, myself, John Street, uh, sitting in a restaurant in London just before PAX 8 were thinking about yeah. coming to the UK. And of course, that ended up with you taking the role. And, you know, it's one of the industry's biggest ever success stories and PAX 8 changing the industry for the better. But I just, I was reflecting earlier on our uh, long-term relationship. And the very first time I met, well, I knew of you, from before, so you mentioned Morgan Computers. Mm -hmm. And again, for, for any of the more experienced listeners uh, today, you may remember Morgan Computers in the UK for, used to have the beautiful yellow pullout uh, sort of, um, was it a poster or something called the leaflet that you produced with the different computers and things like that? I mean, you, you're sort of frowning at me now. Perhaps you can't remember that, but. It's like, <laughs> you know, there's lots of different stuff, like um, down the years, like, cause it's 34 years, right? Yeah. And there's some stuff that you remember people, you know, so many people mentioned different things and, uh, you know, different, like, I remember there was a PC, a network group. Yeah. Um, we created a PC solutions kind of uh, catalog kind of thing that we were doing. And uh, somebody said to me, you know, literally just two months ago, because uh, there's a big celebration of uh, a network group celebrating 30 years this year. Yeah. So the, the team are putting something together. It's got a very big place in my heart. And they were saying, remember this... Do you remember the PC solutions thing we used to put together with that Roger Knowles out of Northampton and everything? And I go, oh my gosh, I'd completely forgotten about it. So yeah, there's lots of stuff that's in our history. Well, right? when, I, when I was when I was <laughs> a young man in the industry and Morgan Computers, we used to used to be one in uh, Edgebaston in Birmingham, uh, a store there. And I used to go up because you did wonderful refurbished hardware and uh, things of that nature. And so I used to buy bits of equipment and things like that. So when I met you for the first time, which I'm going to say was a restaurant in... London, and we were introduced to one another, and I made you blush, and I think you thought I was uh, uh, joking a little bit. I was like, you're one of my tech heroes. It's so wonderful to meet you. Thank you for how you helped. And our relationship sort of blossomed from there. Continuum, we did an awful lot of work together, and I'm you know, just such a great fan. I saw you on stage today speaking, and I was saying to you, you, you become an incredible um, speaker. But fast forward to the modern day, mm -hmm. you know, to today and uh, PAX 8. And, and again, once again, you've got this knack of looking 18 months to three years ahead in the industry and saying, uh, and knowing where things are going to go. And I know every December you put together your predictions. So I'm telling you now, listeners, if you want a look into the crystal ball, <laughs> follow Phil's predictions in a, a December. But you've got this knack. And again, I'm not saying this, you know, uh, to make you blush or anything, of looking and seeing what's next around the corner and then, you know, hitching yourself to that wagon. And it's very, there's very few people can actually do that. So, you know, thank you for all that you've taught me over the time. And I've 
I'm not alone in this. There is a lot of people in the industry who have watched what you're doing, who you've been a virtual mentor to as well. So carry on doing what you're doing. And, you know, Pax8 is a, a great example of that. Now that I've made you blush enough, let's talk <laughs> a bit more about Pax8. So uh, Pax8, again, I think listeners to the show will know, came to Europe uh, three years ago, did you say it was now? Only seemed like yesterday. Completely disrupted in a positive way what it looked like to be a distributor in our industry. I'll say no more from there, but tell me about what drew you to work for Pax8 in the first instance and what you've learned over the past three years of working with what is essentially one of the world's biggest, it feels like, startups, you know, at the cutting edge all of the time. Yeah, it is. So um, can I do my usual thing of putting a question to you first then? Of course you can. So think about old distribution, as we called it, right? So the world that we just talked about, a lot of it as we reflected on some history there, pre-internet, pre-hardware, pre-subscription cloud services, okay? So think about it. Um, when you were an MSP owner, what service did the distributor, you know, remember Micro-P? Oh, yes. That company oh, back yes. in the day. So what did they provide you? Why were you using a distributor? Because it was one of the few choices. And, uh, you know, I looked at a blog post that I wrote years ago on this when I said, <clears throat> you know, distributors need to be more than box shifters. They need to be more than the middlemen. Right. And even as an MSP, Phil, 15, 20 years ago, I looked at some of the things that distributors in the US were doing um, you know, helping people with hardware and also, and I said, can we have more of that in the UK? But it never took off. So that, that's my answer to the question. I can tell you back then I saw distributors as merely box shifters, but they had the potential to be so much more than that. Right, okay. Uh, which is the point that yeah. I'm going to make now. They fundamentally provided you two things. They provided you inventory, the stuff that was in the boxes mm -hmm. that they were shifting. Um, so they provided you inventory so that you didn't have to have that product in stock yourself. And then the second thing they provided that people shouldn't underestimate as, as well is they were a bank. They provided you a credit line. Right. So definitely if you were in a, you know, a time where we, uh, Michael and myself were running retail stores, um, it was great for us. We would get products in, uh, you know, uh, FX4900 AT fax machine from Amstrad. Great product. <laughs> and I uh, love how you remember yeah. the, the, the product codes for these things. Yeah, but, yeah well, because that was re a really good seller for us. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Sugar. Um, so we sold uh, loads of those products, but we were getting them in uh, from Micro-P on a credit account. The box was being shifted to my store and we were able to sell it and we had a credit line. So I was getting the money off the customer that walked walked into the high street um, before I had even paid, you know, 30, 45 days later, I was then paying the distributor. So there was a credit line that they were giving me to help me um, grow and expand my business. But there was also a distribution logistics part of it. Okay, now let's come to the real world now where everything has now become a subscription. Okay, can I ask you how many subscriptions you use? Are you like Harry's Razors customer? Are you yeah. beer and wine? Like what subscriptions do you use? Multiple. I mean, even if you count Amazon subscribe and save, which right. I got into the game of, yeah. we have a dozen, 20 products every month, every two months come through, plus all of the other subscriptions that I have for this, that, and everything. So yeah, you're right. Right. So what's happening now is a product has actually become a subscription. Mm. And that's the shift change, is because we're all busy. We don't want to... 
ah, open a cupboard, we've run out of coffee, that's why you're using Amazon Subscribe or whatever it is, to get those products and services so you don't have to think about it anymore. It just happens for you, right? Well, in the same way, that consumer demand, and the consumer's getting all the time. They get Netflix, they got Uber, they've got Spotify, they've got all of these kind of cloud services at their fingertips. And then they're turning around to want to consume products, particularly SMB customers who wanted to buy products, and then the whole of the channel is turning around to them and saying, yeah, sorry, we'll order that today. You'll have it, you know, four weeks. Yeah. And then uh, and then if you want us to install it, we'll you know, bring it in and we'll do, we'll send an engineer to you. The market's got to evolve. And so that's what the founders, um, you've met John Street yourself, and that's what the founders saw is they found that the market wasn't, uh, ready for subscription. And so in 2012, they founded the company and they affectionately say they're born in the cloud where all the traditional distributors are born in the shed, right? And mm. so it's a different way of thinking. So we don't have any sheds. We don't have any products. We just have subscriptions that we have to manage, right? Uh, and so that's fundamentally the differentiator. And then in terms of what our true description is, we are a cloud commerce marketplace. So what does that mean? Well, some of what I shared today with, even though the world has evolved, it's still largely catalog-led. It's top-down. Yes. It's people looking for a product or a service, much like the illustration I used today about Argos and Little Woods or whatever it is. Amazon is a little bit better as an experience because you just got search, right? And you just type it in. So it's like Google for product, isn't it? Yeah. You just type in. You haven't got to go to a category or anything else like that. You can find it. And uh, where we are taking... Uh, cloud services is much like Spotify and Netflix. So people who watch this, watch this. Um, can I ask you, are you a Spotify or an Apple customer? Neither. Neither? Neither. Okay, you're no. in amongst So I'm an Android 20%. user for the most part. Okay, so right. I, I do the independent podcast and things of that nature. Lovely, so, yeah. okay. Um, so you're streaming music, you just consume independently yep. and you don't use any of those two. Yep. So historically, uh, you know, most people that I speak to, wow, that's unusual. Uh, <laughs> most people are either, so in my family, I've got three girls, it's a big fight. One's on Spotify, the other two are on Apple and none of them are interested in changing. Yeah. The reason for it is they've got their playlist, they've got everything set up in their way, they like the platform, the cost of them to change is just too much friction. Yes. In fact, we know that 72%, can you believe this? This is a uh, Jay McBain stat, 72% of people will not buy a new car if it hasn't got Apple Play. Wow. So the purchase of a, a big motor vehicle is being driven by, by the digital subscription. The, yeah. Wow. On the yeah. tech. Uh, capability that's in it because a car is no longer just a vehicle, right? It's a technology device, yeah. isn't it? You know, particularly with EVs. So we're seeing where it's going. So it's that vision that they saw and it's linked to the way Phil Morgan thinks as well. And that's why I came here is because it allowed me to help serve MSPs because the demands that MSPs have right now are for them to do more, better, faster, different, and deliver technology services. I really feel here that I found home at Pax8 because I'm able to shape the vision, I'm able to bring my creativity to it to help MSPs uh, grow their business, be more operationally efficient and manage risk, yeah. you know, which is the key things that they want to do. So given your background in the technology industry, former MSP, you know, you've done, done most things within the industry, when you were first working with Pax8 to the present day, how has your role changed and adapted? Because one of the things, I'll just preface that by saying, one of the things that Pax8 
has really acquired a reputation for is listening to feedback and adapting accordingly. Whereas we say, you know, this is no knock on anybody, but we know so many companies, this is the way we're going to do things. And they take months, if not years, to, to sort of steer the ship in a different direction. So how have things changed from three years ago when you joined to today? Is there anything that surprised you? Probably the biggest thing that surprised me is uh, probably... Um the lack of progression that I'm seeing in the industry to actually change. Mm. You know, so, you know, Jeff Bezos, who's a far better entrepreneur than any of us maybe, right? Uh, you know, people always say to him, like, why aren't you listening to the, the competition? They're doing this, they're doing that, or whatever. He said, and Jeff Bezos famously says, you know, well, I don't spend much time listening to the competitors. I take my time to listen to the customers. Because if I give what the customer wants, then I can build a really, really good business because I'm serving them. Mm. And we've got that same customer-first mindset at Pax8. You can see our values of, uh, you know, the biggest value, advocate. We stand in the gap for the MSP. Yeah. So how can we help them grow their business, be more operationally efficient, manage risk? What vendors do they want to see? How can we be better? That is critical for us because unless we help their business grow, Rick, How's our business going to grow? Yeah. And so uh, the surprise for me has probably been the lack of innovation that I continually see. And, and you talk more about this yeah. than anyone I know of, you know, like change or die, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really surprising to see so little innovation out there. You know, we're seeing lots of other people in the same cloud space as us. There's lots of really good brands out there that are innovating. Yeah. Uh, but generally, the big brands that we see out there um, are doing very, very little, so it would seem. It, it's fascinating. Again, long-time listeners to the show mm. will know that I go out of my way to shine a light on the positive disruptors in this industry. We've had a number of players, you know, I've done advisory work for them we shine a light on on the podcast we do video demos because i truly believe like this industry needs to move a lot faster at changing than it ever has before mm. because what the new generation of managed service providers coming through you know first of all they've never heard of richard tub carl palachuk philip morgan anything like that right. we'll talk about that in a moment but secondly they look at some of the tools they look at some of the marketplaces even some of the websites of the people that you or i might say oh yeah you build a business around this and they go no it looks like something from 1996 or you know and all that sort of thing so I'm a big fan of those companies that are coming in and saying, it doesn't have to be done the way they're doing it. We're going to try something new because that's the next generation of managed services coming right. through. Dead right. Yeah. But you, you said something really interesting on stage today. And again, I'll give some background for the benefit of our audience. We're sat in a beautiful hotel room, Phil's hotel room here uh, in Manchester, because we're in uh, town for the Managed Service Summit North. A great event. I reckon there's about 130 odd MSPs in, in the room there. Some wonderful conversations. But Phil was on stage earlier and just giving uh, a little bit of a, a look into the crystal ball about what's going to be coming down the line. And you said something interesting, and you said data is like oil. Yeah. Tell me what that means. Um, so 
there's been an explosion of data, hasn't there? You know, we, there's data for everything, right? You, you know, we're measuring analytics for this, that, and the other. I'm sure even as we've uh, walked from the venue to the hotel room and back, that uh, various metrics. I know Google is measuring us at the moment on your Android phone, right? Yeah. I've got Whoop that's measuring my uh, metrics right now. I've got Apple that's probably listening. You know, all of that stuff that's <laughs> going on right now. Okay. So we're collecting data second by second by second everywhere and it's going up to the internet and I think the case that I was positing is that just like oil uh, transformed the world okay look around us you know with even products that, that we're all seeing uh, oil created an unbelievable revolution uh, you know unsustainable as though it is and I know we're changing now with you know trying to um, move off of fossil fuel which is a, a process that all of us in, in, in all corners of the world are working towards um, Oil transformed the world as we know it. Car tires, uh, tennis rackets, uh, dentures that I showed today, you know, let alone the stuff that we're all familiar with of diesel, domestic fuel oil, etc., that is powering lots of things that we do. And so the case that I was saying is that if data is the new oil, it is the new currency of the day that's causing transformation. Um, and the bit that we are doing at Pax8 specifically, as I shared today, is uh, Customers that are on PAX 8, we are able to give them a great, great vision and visibility on their cloud ecosystem. So all of those Microsoft subscriptions they've got and other vendors that are around that, uh, you know, in terms of security and productivity and business continuity, all of that's in the cloud, right? Because we're bought in the cloud. Um, but they've also got other endpoints that they are supplying that might have come from other great vendors. Um, and that has rich data on it as well. On the mobile device, it will have the RMM that's controlling it or the mobile MDM device on mobile. And what we are doing is through loads of really cool tools that uh, other software companies have developed, the likes of Kaseya and Dato and ConnectWise and everything have developed really good PSA and RMM tools. We are creating a way that that data that sat on the RMM, that you can send that up in a secure container to the Pax8 platform. And what we will do is aggregate that uh, data to the data that we are holding and give it back to you as a lens. So in effect, Pax8 becoming your refinery. Give mm. us your crude data and we will give you really good data that then, as I shared today, that then you can look at gap analysis for Opportunity Explorer. You know, on, across all of your customer estate. You know, you talk a lot about this on your blogs, right? Of Don't go selling, uh, you know, uh, trying to find a new customer and selling them stuff. Look at your existing customers and look at what you're not selling to them. You, say, right. you talk yeah. a lot about that, right? Yeah. You know, gap analysis and gap marketing, right? Uh, who's not buying product XYZ from you? Go and have that conversation. Yes. So we're giving Opportunity Explorer, that's a tool that you can run on an iPad and have a quarterly business review conversation then off of that, then we're also creating a tool called um, uh, the CIS Control Security Posture Device that you can actually do a, a CIS interrogation to actually find out how secure 
actually give a uh, security status for that customer. Maybe they're 56% secure, maybe they're 64%. Could be little things that they need to do to change the uh, security posture and harden the network a bit better. So you can have a conversation about that. Mm -hmm. And then last thing, when it comes to configure price quote, we're creating a storefront for the customer to be able to quote it as well. So that's the essence of data is the new oil. Yeah. If that's true, and if you agree with me, we're asking, well, you dig the crude oil, let Pax 8 be your refinery, and we'll push it back to you so that you can do really great things that will revolutionize the world through uh, what you're doing every day. I think it's a fascinating approach. I have always been brought, you know, I've been, I've been quite open about saying that I've been taught by some of the most successful uh, giving people in the industry, yourself included, and they've given freely of their time and experience to me. So all the stuff that I talk about in the podcast yeah. is a, as a result of what I've learned from others. Of but one of the biggest lessons I learned early on was managed by metrics, not yes, by gut feeling. Right. You and I, we were just saying before we come on air, we're both probably what you term highly sensitive people. You know, we feel emotions from others, we care about people and that, but that does lead to a situation, unfortunately, where you can manage, but you can go by gut feeling as opposed to what the facts are. So managing by metrics. I'm really excited about what Paxa are doing because they're offering some degree of benchmarking to say, you know, but they, they're highlighting by metrics opportunities for MSPs. And I know from experience, being a former MSP, you can get lost in the weeds and you can't see what's directly in front of you until you get a report or something that says so. However, being devil's advocate here, there's going to be some people listening to this and going, I don't feel comfortable with sharing the, you know, the goldmine of data in my business with somebody like Pax8. What would you say to those people who are worried that by sharing data, they're going to almost lessen their competitive advantage in the field? So I, I would say the first thing about data, right? So you and I know, because we talked about this before, Rick, it's only the super wealthy that can actually can afford to live off grid, mm. right? So the rest of us, and I'm including myself in that, you have to make a decision about data and compromise in so many ways every single day. Or you can just do what I did and I made the decision at the end of it, you know, stuff around social media and privacy and everything else like that. I decided in the end, well, I can only lock it down so much because the people that really know can go and dig. Yeah. And then the ones that are very, very smart, they will lose hacking and social engineering and everything else like that. So the only way that I really can survive in the new economy is to what? Is to protect myself and yeah. put strategies in place to protect myself. Yeah. And so that's where I decided I've got a very kind of open way of doing life. People can connect with me on Facebook. People find out where I live in 10 minutes. Okay, you know, so then all I've got to make sure is that my family and myself and everything are safe in that environment. And the way that I I do that is to make sure that uh, I've got all the necessary precautions in place, right? Just like mm -hmm. everybody else. So we're already giving our data away. Um, surely you want to give it away to trusted partners. Because like I say to most people on, that are using a free service, mm -hmm. if you're using a free service, you just become the product, right? You're not paying for the product, you are, you the, are product. the product. You are the product. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So um, there is a tension there that we acknowledge. So when we're asking people to uh, 
to share their data with us, we're making quite clear, and you know, we've made promises to our customers that we are only using that data to give it back to you as a lens to give you insights. We are not going to do, we're not going to sell it to a third party, yeah. we're not going to do um, anything else with us. And I tell you what, I'm just being really honest with you, that puts us in a better place than most tech companies that are out there, right? Yeah. Um, the fact that we're making that promise to our customers. So it, this is a journey. Um, and I think the market will decide whether they are happy to give us that data or not. It's a big bet that we're making. Let's see where it ends up. But, you know, just like everything that I'm talking to you and there's all of uh, the people that follow you and me that are listening in today, because most of the other people are checked out already, right? And next, <laughs> uh, I've got it. You know, the people yes. that are listening right now are the people that know and trust you and me and so are bought into this, which is why they're still listening, right? Yeah. And for us at Pax8, it all, everything at the end of the day comes down to trust. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of uh, Pax8 customers, clients, MSPs who might be <clears> listening to this, not just in the UK and Europe, but you know, you've got a presence in Australia. I was saying yeah, I caught up APAC. with our good friend uh, James Burgle, who yeah. I've known since you know the early days in this Tallest industry. Tallest man on earth, isn't he? He is absolutely. <laughs> he is. So I caught up with James a couple of weeks ago, and uh, anyway, you've got the US presence, of course. For clients, Pax8 clients, who are thinking, this sounds interesting, I want to make more of it. We're recording this in November 2023. When can we expect this to become available for MSPs to start using Yanga? So, rolling out in 2024. Uh, so, we revealed this, first of all, at Beyond. As, yeah. uh, as, and we'll as talk about it Beyond aware. in a moment. Yeah. Okay, lovely. Thank you for that. Um, uh, so, we unveiled this, that we are busy. Uh, we've built big elements of it right now. Um, we went out to the market with a big, bold promise to deliver Opportunity Explorer and uh, the, the security uh, tool that we've done, and then uh, Storefront. So, we've made that promise to the market, and that will be delivered over 2024. So, where we are right now, is as most people that uh, um, manage their platforms and trust us with their customers at Pax8, um, we like to uh, engage with the customers uh, that we are closest to so they can help us because it's new for us too, right? Mm. So what we would like is anybody that's interested, if you're an existing Pax8 customer or um, you're thinking, do you know what, I'd like to know what they're about, reach out to us. We'd love you to register for early access and then we will have uh, one of our account managers reach out to you, uh, help you understand because there is quite a lift that's required first of all, because uh, I'm going to ask you a question at the end here. Um, there's quite a lift that's required first of all to um, make your data and set your data up in a way that the Pax8 platform can actually process it. Yeah. Because one of the things we've discovered, uh, Libby McElhenney is one of our kind of developers, she was amazed as part of this project how little time MSPs put into configuring their PSA properly. Mm. So question to you, is that a big thing? in the market yeah. of like badly configured PSAs and what yeah. gain is there in efficiency if people take the time to set it up properly? Again, I, I go by the metrics and I can tell you that, you know, I've been blogging for the best part of 20 years, 6,000 plus blog posts, so many videos and things. And we wrote a couple of articles um, a few years ago saying, so I've bought a PSA tool, what now? Yeah. <laughs> and it got a ton of views and I'm like, well, this is interesting because I presumed the majority of my audience would have a PSA tool. Yeah, yeah. But I had lots of conversations with people afterwards and I don't know a MSP that I, I don't think I've ever spoken to one, can't be true, but 
where I've said to them, which PSA do you run? You know, SuperOps, Datto, Kaseya, um, you know, Halo or whatever. And they say, oh, but the, the thing is, Richard, we, we don't use it the way we should. You know, we've never got around to configuring it properly. So it's a huge yeah. issue. You know, and there's, there's people in the industry um, and we've had your colleagues on the, the podcast before who can help people with their PSA tools and things of that nature. But I would have thought, that PSA tools are not like buying an off-the-shelf package where you go, right, I'll install Microsoft Word and away I go. Mm. A PSA tool is something that you buy, and then if I was running an MSP again, I would immediately pay for an implementation team from the vendor or a third party to come in and say, now let's show you how to match up your business processes to the tool. Long answer to a short question yeah. there. But no, it really doesn't happen uh, for the most part, and very few MSPs have got on you know, are using the full pair of their PSA tool. Yeah, really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, pick up on something you said there, uh, Pax8 Beyond. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that, but I want to talk about how Pax8 have engaged with the wider MSP community. Now, you built up initially a really good reputation in the US, and a lot of us in the UK and Europe looked at what was going on in the US and thought, when are you coming to the yeah. UK? And I've said before, you know, I, I say it with a smile on my face, but I've never seen a furore, uh, a hubbub about a, a, a lowly distributor. Why are people so excited about them coming to Europe? Because it became apparent for all the things that you've talked about. But one of the ways that you've really engaged with the community is by getting into the heart of the community, by listening, um, you know, by talking less and listening more. You know, uh, when you came to the UK, we set up the, um, when I was a part of the Tech Tribe business with the great Nigel Moore, we set up the Tech Tribe UK yeah. meetups now spread all over the world and Pax8 were the first to jump in and say, we don't want anything in return, but other than a seat at the table, we'll, we'll pay for the pizzas, we'll pay for the room yeah. higher, uh, but can we come in and you know just listen to what's going on? And uh, it's, it's been a wonderful success story, but you get involved in CompTIA, uh, you uh, get involved in lots of different communities around there. But I've never once seen you go out there and say, bye, bye, bye from us. It's always about getting involved in the community, listening, engaging. But surprise, surprise, it's grown from there. So tell me about Pax8's approach towards community. Yeah, so look, you and I are uh, big fans of, uh, I remember you buying me a copy of the Go Giver book uh, by uh, Bob Burke. And, uh, you know, and I think being a Go Giver or being a servant leader, um, you know, we talk about heart, head, hands. I'll talk about that in a moment if I can. That's what servant leader is, right? Is uh, approaching the market with a, how can I help? And yeah, be a go-getter, but do it in a giving way, right? Don't have the me first mindset, have the you first mindset. How can I help you? What are your pro challenges? What are the, ch the you know, because as Bob Berg rightly says, profit is an echo, okay? Yeah. So, Money is only something that can come from you from something you do. Give you a great burger, you'll give me money. If I brew for you great tea, you'll give me money. If I uh, give you great wine, you know. So I have to do something in order for money to return to me. And if I do that well, we know several premium brands like uh, Ferrari and Louis Vuitton and all of that kind of stuff. Man, you have to, there's a wait list for those products, can you believe it or not, right? You know, because what, it's now a luxury brand, there's so much value to it, 
that they can charge, frankly, whatever they want. There's a certain class of company uh, and person that will just come out and buy regardless. So that's being a go-giver, right? So the philosophy around being a go-giver or a servant leader, and John Street is the epitome of a servant leader. Um, and back to a little bit of what you talked about earlier when you were talking about data. Okay, so what are your hands doing? Are they typing a keyboard or are they fixing something? Your hands, whether you like it or not, neurologically are connected to your brain, right? You can't move them unless your brain says, you know, sends a signal. And so your the data and the, uh, if I could maybe go a little binary on the little the electronic synapses and everything snapping away in your brains are helping your nervous system do what it's doing. Now that's logic, right? Now human beings are not logical, they are psychological. And that's where, whether we like it or not, we can't just run a business on just logic. Well, the data says, okay? There's also an emotional level that we are both EQ and IQ. Right. So it's the heart that actually drives the head, which drives the hands. That's servant's leadership. So if my heart is actually for myself and I'm a self-serving, narcissistical, whatever, and all I'm concerned is my own career, my own kind of profit, my own whatever, well, good luck with that. Because I tell you what, you'll, you'll get a few things, but not much. But servant leadership, wow, how's about us serving people well? And how's about us putting them first, having a servant's heart and, th and that's the difference, right? So, you know, servant leadership, you know, we talk about um, the ideal team player. This is Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. We talk about it a lot at PAX 8. Uh, humble, hungry, smart is the ideal team player. Just Google hum uh, Lencioni, humble, hung hungry, smart. There's videos on YouTube and stuff on it. We'll include the link in the show notes yeah, to great. anybody okay. who's new to that. Lovely. Um, that's minimum games to play. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, just show up. That's the minimum we expect from anybody that's here at PAX 8. We want everyone at PAX 8, and you'll see it all over the world, people going the extra mile to help. I'll get that, step aside, I'll do that for you. How that's the go-giver servant mindset, and that's what fuels PAX 8 every single day. People think it's the platform, and they can think it's technology and whatever it is, uh, but I'd like to think that we are the most human tech company there is. Yeah. And I think Bob Berg said it, when it comes down to it, people want to do business with people they know, like, Absolutely. and trust. Yes. All things being equal or even close to equal, they'll do that. So right. that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's a good lesson for MSPs listening there. You know, it's not about whether you're the best sales machine or it's not about whether you've got the best tech or you've got the best technicians or whatever. People will do business with people they know, okay. like, and trust. So what are you doing to get out in the community, allow people to get to know you? What are you doing to share your worldview with them so that they can get to uh, like you? And what are you doing to demonstrate uh, that to them to trust you? So, uh, yeah, right. brilliant. Let's move on. So. We mentioned it a couple of times, but Pax 8 Beyond. Yeah. So you made, when when we say community, when we say events, the number one the name that jumps into the list is uh, our, our great friend Rob Ray. Uh, <laughs> so Pax 8 made a phenomenal uh, hire. Hired Rob Ray, you know, I think it was about 15 months ago. Yeah. Or therein. And as soon as that hire was through, I was like, okay, when's the announcement of the big event? And of course, it came very soon. So you had your first big conference. Um, and we'll talk more about in a minute. You do a lot of virtual stuff. You do uh, cybersecurity masterclasses, which are sold out. Stephen and I, Stephen McCormack and I, were joking about this earlier. 
you often give us the heads up and say, hey, we're gonna be running a masterclass or a virtual event or whatever. We barely get time to promote that and to say, hey guys, hey community, here's the event. And it's gone and sold out, yeah. <laughs> you know, because they're that popular. You run those events, but Pax 8 Beyond, the first big event you did, and tell us how that came together, what that looked like, and what the future for that event looks like. Yeah, so for us, you know, getting close to our partners and helping them in their businesses, you know, grow, be more operationally efficient and manage risk is really important to us. So what we have found, like you and like Rob and other people, you know, and I really believe, I remember having a conversation with, with Rob, I, I said, I really believe this can be your best work, Rob. Because um, Rob is, uh, again, the ultimate servant leader, right? You know, uh, he, he'll share connections, he'll introduce you, make you feel like a million dollars with yeah. Rob, right? And he'll buy you a drink at the same time, right? That's Rob Ray. Um, and uh, he, he is just like a rock star in the industry, isn't it? Yeah. So for Rob to come and uh, be part of uh, what we are doing. And, and look, if you're listening here and you see Rob Ray, ask him to tell the original Nick Heady, Rob Ray story of when okay. we first met. Well, we've not had it's Rob. quite amusing. I caught up with Rob a couple okay, of times recently. Yeah. I've not had him on the podcast yet. So I'm going to say open invitation. I know Rob listens to these things. Rob, come and talk to us on the podcast because we want to know this story because there's, you know, the guy's a legend in our industry. And I actually think he should produce his own badges of certificates of, of uh, quality with Rob's face in and maybe a thumbs up that he can put on events because if an event in the industry is being run, <laughs> run by Rob Ray, it's one that you're going to want to attend. Forgive the interruption, Phil. Right. Trusted by Rob. Trusted yeah, by that's Rob. great. That's, uh, and I'll tell you, I can't make that happen for you um, because uh, Rob has a vision uh, to take Pax 8 beyond around the world. Yes. Uh, so we will still have our flagship event that will uh, take place uh, in the US every year. Um, and it was in Colorado, wasn't it? Was it was in Denver? Colorado last June. Um, so uh, again, June 24, um, tickets are available right now for people to register quite quickly. We're expecting it to sell out. Over half the tickets, I believe, are already gone yeah. uh, right now with plenty of time to go. Um, and Rob's really helping us shape that, but he's helping us shape it globally. Um, so Pax 8 is coming, the Pax 8 Beyond is coming to EMEA. Um, I'm trying to twist some arms, or Harold, the CEO, and myself are trying to twist some arms to get that done uh, next year in 2024, if we can. Wonderful news. So watch that space. But if we do manage to um, twist some arms uh, and, and get it done in 2024, uh, and uh, we do um, Pax 8 Beyond, then Rob will be here hosting that as ever. And I'll make sure you get a bit of a backstage invite. And how's about <laughs> I get the podcast recording and you can ask the Nick Heady question. Uh, but in terms of uh community um, and enablement, that's really important. The reason right. I'm putting enablement into it is we took quite a big bet, if you speak to some of your North American colleagues that attended, um, over half the content we delivered at Pax 8 Beyond was not vendor content, mm. it wasn't pitch decks on this, that and the year. Um, we had acquired um, a couple of months earlier, we had acquired Rex at Sea Level Operations Business. Yeah, another um, great hire. And we had noticed a trend, first of all, that uh, customers that were on Pax 8 that were being mentored through uh, by C-level operations were growing 36% quicker than any other MSP. 
Yeah. It was unbelievable. And it's kind of a little bit of a Remington story. Those of you who are an older, I, we loved it so much, we bought the company. It's that kind of story. And so we went and had a conversation uh, with uh, Rex, and he was good enough to say, actually, I think I can achieve more by joining forces and building a global business. So today, um, all of the C-level operations playbook has become Pax8 Academy. So some of the virtual online peer groups and classroom training and stuff that we're doing, uh, visit Pax8, uh, uh, pax8.com forward slash academy or just google pax8 academy and you can log on that right now and have different kind of courses that you can sign up for and do some um, learning but all the uh, over half the content we delivered at pax8 was all for msp growth mm. we took a big bet is that going to work having so many breakout sessions around security around stages of growth in an msp around marketing boy did it, it, it we took a big risk and it paid off and uh, so you can see on Tech Tribe and Reddit the comments that are from there. Yes. So I want to bring it to EMEA. That's the vision, right? With Rob, uh, with Harold, we're hoping to bring it here to EMEA so we can help uh, EMEA-based uh, MSPs grow their business, be more operationally efficient, and manage risk. Yeah, very exciting news, and I'm looking forward to that. And, and it was one of the questions we had. We tweeted out today. Going to okay. interview Phil Morgan on the podcast, and people say, "When's Pax Eight Beyond going to come to Europe?" And that, so we'll um, we can give a teaser for that maybe on Twitter and stuff. Good. Listen to the episode, and you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we talked about Rob Ray, what a wonderful hire for you. But it's been, and I had conversations with people in the room at Managed Service Summit today. Pax Eight seemed to be attracting the top people in the industry, the exciting new young talent coming through and I've interviewed half a dozen of your colleagues on this podcast here and every single time I've dropped you and uh, other people in Pax8 a text afterwards and said this person was brilliant and we'll include links in the show notes to all the interviews that I've done too many to name actually why well let me rephrase that how is the culture at Pax8 such that you are attracting these incredible young minds and the best people in the industry because culture is everything Okay, um, you know, Peter Drucker, you know, is famous for saying that culture eats strategy yeah. for breakfast thing, okay? So if that is the case, and lots of people, and everybody's heard that phrase, right? You've heard, have you heard yes, that phrase I before? Right, okay. Yeah. So why do so many people in business skip breakfast every day? Why do they do that? If it really is that important, then why don't you prioritize it? And at the end of the day for us, at Pax8, the customer is first. Okay, so with that, so we cannot, uh, sorry, without the customer, we don't have a business. So why would it not be the best decision in the world for us to have the most motivated workforce in order to serve the customers better? If we have the best community leader in the terms of Rob Ray here in EMEA, if, I, if we hire and recruit the best CEO. Thank you for saying yes, Harold. Uh, it's really great to have you come join us. The best marketing people, the best channel people. Uh, you've met Michael Breeze as a legend, right? You yeah. know, there's so many people. So what we do is we go out and hire the best talent and people genuinely think that you have to pay a lot of money to do it. Uh, uh, you don't, money's a factor, but just paint the vision. And so all we do at Pax8 is just tell people simply what we do, and it just seems to just 
land yeah. well. Yeah. People want to be part of the rocket ship uh, that is PacSafe, but as well, as well as that, you know, we are a people-first business, genuinely so. So I think lots of people can join a company and it's all marketing, right, that they operate with integrity and honesty and all of this kind of stuff that we talk about. Trust, that's another big one. You, you, they can either be words that are written on the wall in reception, um, which you'll not see that at PAX 8, or they can be a culture code that you live by. Um, so the culture canvas is something that's big that we use. Yes. Um, I'll maybe just drop a link in with your permission uh, there. The culture canvas is a great way, and we've used that um, in our business in order to bring alignment uh, around the behaviours, how we conduct meetings, what do we correct, what do we reward. So the culture canvas has, bring, has been a great way for us to bring culture to life because when you say the word, when you say the value respect is important, well, what does that really look like? Yeah. Well, meetings start on time every time at PAX 8. So that's respect, okay, because we're respecting other people's time. Mm. Uh, so there's little things that we say in our behaviours and how we, uh, so uh, I don't have to accept a meeting if it hasn't got an agenda. Yeah. So sync with Phil, somebody sends that through, it's part of PAX 8 behaviour that I'm allowed to respond to that people say, hey, what's this meeting around? Can I ask for an agenda that is baked into how we respect each other, right? Yeah. Um, so these all little things that in a culmination, work together in concert to, uh, you know, to work here at Pax I love it. And that culture, the culture canvas, we've, we've actually got a blog post about that. So I'm glad you mentioned Great. that. Uh, again, we'll include all the details in the show notes for you, our dear listeners. So if you're out walking the dog or driving the car or wherever you might be, don't worry about scribbling notes down. We've got you back on this. Yeah. I want you to look into your crystal ball again <laughs> a little bit and... Artificial intelligence. You know we can't do a podcast without talking about AI. Mm. You and I have talked about AI for years, been banging the drum about it. And, and I, I was saying to a friend the other day, I did a series of presentations around AI for the managed service industry probably about four years or maybe five years ago. It was met with stony silence. It was interesting to people, but not so much they'd do anything with it in, in their business. Now we've got ChatGPT, OpenAI, everything that's come along. It suddenly hit the public consciousness in a big way. And now everybody and their father are baking AI into their tools. I've gone out of my way. You know, we were talking about looking 18 months, three years into the future to work with companies that had seen that AI and then now have got a massive advantage over uh, competitors. But what's AI going to mean for managed service providers over the next 18 months to three years. Let us know, peer into your crystal ball and tell us because your guesses are often better than you know most people in the industry. Okay, and so to be clear, I am a world's expert on AI. Uh, uh, on the farm uh, in West <laughs> Wales, we talked about AI as kids uh, with dad. This is pre-internet, this is pre-everything. It happened to be called artificial insemination at that time. <laughs> So just to clarify, <laughs> so just to clarify we're not talking about that number kind of, of AI. farmers listening to our podcast. It's a small and growing audience, but it's still small. It's a still small. Artificial intelligence, yes. if you would. That's right. <laughs> but moving quickly to AI that you and I have been talking about before it was fashionable, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I talked about the next three curve jumps that uh, MSPs 
should be well, well uh, aware of as we go towards the summit. Base Camp 1, security, we're still in that age. Base Camp 2, artificial intelligence, that age is emerging. The big one that will hit us in the end, which is Base Camp 3, that takes us to the summit, is voice. Okay, voice technology is going to get better and better and better. So we won't even have to type anymore. Lots of listeners right now are using uh, Alexa and Siri, and I've sent a pile of activations <laughs> off in people's offices right now. People are cursing uh, you at this point, yeah. That's right. Uh, Alexa, stop this podcast. You know, that's Alexa, <laughs> subscribe to TomTalk, the podcast variety consultants. Yeah, absolutely. So there's all of this stuff that's going on with voice technology um, right now. But the difference between the voice technology of the future and the voice technology that we've got now is what just happened. Okay, so the personalization of voice to be able to tell the difference between my voice and your voice, so it doesn't go and activate everybody's uh, devices like that, because it'll be able to tell the sound of someone's unique voice, which we can do as humans, right? That's what made, you know, Mike Yarwood impersonators really, really famous, right? It's because yeah. they could take somebody else's voice. We've off. included some deep cuts here for the, yeah. for the, for the, uh, the more experienced listener. For the old guys. <laughs> Mike Yarwood. So on... Artificial intelligence, and more yeah. importantly, I'm wanting to bring it down to earth because everybody's talking AI and quantum computing and everything else like that. And I think it's easy for us in tech world and it's easy for us in MSP world to kind of be in our ivory towers talking about AI and all of this kind of stuff. But what does it mean to the customer? What does it mean to insurance brokers, financial advisors, manufacturers, and people that are making an honest living out there that MSPs are serving today? What does it mean to them? Mm. So one of the things that I'm trying to do, and I'm doing this video in December that I said to you, which is my prediction, my prediction is that Copilot is going to be a game changer. Agreed. So Copilot, as you know, is uh, Microsoft's AI tool powered by uh, ChatGPT, the engine behind it. Um, uh, two top tips that I can give you to start with, which is really important. I appreciate I'm taking time here, but this is really important. No, please go for it, Phil. This is okay. fascinating. Every time you do a chat GPT surf, you, uh, search, you make chat GPT more intelligent. So if you have a chat GPT subscription, you are giving your data free. So all of these people, particularly in mm. lawyer land, that started, you know, uh, spell check this legal contract or this tender or this employment contract for me. That's what everyone was doing, right? All the marketeers were going chat GPT crazy, telling it, use it for this, use it for that. What they have just done is sent all of that data up into their deep learning machine, and now it's got better at what? Writing contracts, drafting leases and doing it better. Again, can we reiterate the phrase from earlier? If you're not paying for the product, you, you are, are the, the product. product. Right, okay. So. Bing Chat Enterprise, and the number of people, you're probably hearing this up, that have moved from Google to Bing because suddenly Bing is really good. Mm. Why is Bing so good? I mean, just do it right now. Go into Bing and type in, tell me about Philip Morgan from Carmarthenshire, and see what you will get from ChatGPT, see what you'll get from Google, and have a look at what you get from Bing Chat Enterprise. Because Bing Chat Enterprise is the very latest data right up to date, okay? Yeah. But more importantly, and this is the important bit, your customers, Mr. MSP, do not want their data going out to the internet. So how's about you show them and tell them how chat, um, Bing Chat Enterprise works because that data goes nowhere 
it is locked into a little container inside Microsoft that goes nowhere else. So you can get the benefits of uh, ChatGPT because that's what powers it behind, but it's inside a secure container. Okay, so that's the first thing, $5 a month for a Bing Chat Enterprise license that you can switch on right now, okay? But the big game changer, as we all know, and again, I'll post a little article for you at the end if you want to share it. The big game changer is in the level of productivity. So now, for example, so do this if you want to do this on Bing Chat Enterprise. Tell me about Richard Tubb of Tublog. Type that in and see what both engines will give you. It'll give you a loads of different data. And then you can type in, and this is the killer question, you can follow up with a question and say, tell me what are Richard's interests? Unbelievable what it will come back and tell you. And it will save you time in research to before you go to a customer appointment. Uh, you know, who does Richard work with? And it will go away to the web website, grab all the kind of the team section trolley. You know the way this stuff works. Yeah. I'm preaching the converted. But what people don't realize is the revolution that's going to happen next year, which is my prediction, is productivity will be improved by 10 to 15% by those businesses and those people that decide to adopt Microsoft Copilot. Yes. And the reason, I'm not here to push Microsoft brand, but the reality of it is right now, everybody listening, 90% of them are using Microsoft Word. 90% of them are using Excel. You know, Teams, okay, that might be maybe 60, 70%, because some maybe are still using other very famous products. But the game changer is this, Copilot, will work on top of all of those products and services to where am I using it today? Summarize the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Give me great follow-up questions that I could use on this call. What are the action points? I can then pick all of those things and it'll summarize me. And I kid you not, Richard, I'm a busy guy, right? And it's made me 10 to 15% more efficient in my everyday. Imagine that across the whole of the UK workforce. Yeah. Unbelievable. So I would say to everybody, start becoming a co-pilot evangelist. Differentiate yourself from the competitors. And this is not a Microsoft push. It's not. It's what is happening in a market as a trend, whether we like it or not. And the differentiation will be going forward. The companies, be they the lawyer, the accountant, all of who you're serving, the ones that will grow quickest will be the ones that adopt the newest technology and use it to be more and more efficient and productive going forward. Couldn't agree more. Wonderful uh, feedback. And at the time of recording this, we're at the end of November. By the time this episode goes out, uh, an episode that we published before this, I sat down with uh, James Marshall, who is uh, an Azure yeah. evangelist for Microsoft in the UK. Pax8 got a shout out uh, yeah. on the podcast. But uh, we've just had the big Microsoft Ignite conference in Seattle, uh, beamed virtually around the world. And of course, Satya Nadella uh, yeah. was on stage talking about AI, and it really is just all Microsoft are really focusing on at the moment. Yep. AI for everything, Copilot. And so if you want to deeper dive into that, go back. It was only, you know, by the time this is published, a few episodes ago, James Marshall from uh, Microsoft will talk uh, a bit more about this. And we'll have James on again in the future. But I would say not only Copilot, um, but uh, another branch of Copilot is a Copilot Studio. Yeah. If you saw the announcement of this, so if you're worried about your data going forward, what Copilot Studio does, it digs into your internal SharePoint, your drive, and all the rest of it. Uh, 
but just for you, so it's not uploading it to the cloud, you know, for, for all and sundry to use. And imagine having a built-in knowledge base of every article, every email, everything that's within your organization. So you could start asking them, what's the policy on yep. such and such? And it, just an incredible time, incredible time to be alive. Super, super exciting. It so, is, yeah. and I think with uh, and I think with Copilot as well, at thirty pounds uh, per license end user price. You know, a lot yeah. of people think that's expensive, but imagine something that will improve your performance. Let's say it's even five percent. Yeah. Okay. Is that worth the investment of thirty dollars a month to improve someone's performance by ten percent? Yeah. Five percent. Yeah. I think it's well worth it. Well, I'll give the listeners a, a view into our friendship. For years, or years, as you might say, <laughs> Phil, I have been uh, saying to you, get yourself a PA, get yourself. Yeah. I've got the wonderful Karina who you know helps with my calendar, with email and everything. We've now reached a stage, haven't we, where everybody listening to this can have almost an electronic PA who's there to say, you know, Hey, help me out with this, and it will go away and do the work for you. So again, incredibly yeah. exciting. I think uh, Rob Belgrave, uh, who was the CEO of Wirehive, that mm. we acquired, and uh, Rob is doing great things for us uh, globally in the organisation around people and culture. And again, he's one to follow if you're not following uh, Rob Belgrave on Twitter. Uh, but one of the things he said is uh, to Pax Eight when we were rolling this out across the business, he says, uh, "Welcome to your first direct report. Mm. Okay, uh, like a lit- literally your first employee." Um, and I think a lot of the time when we talk about, you're a big fan of uh, Dave Allen's uh, Getting Things Dave Done Allen, book, yeah. like I am in his system, you know, that do, don't, delegate, delay, digitize. Mm. If you can automate it, do that first, right? Yes, yes. And uh, uh, I think, you know, try and think of things in your everyday, because I've had to change the way I work, how I do research, uh, how I am, you know, I used to go into Outlook and the people that I'm working closely with, I used to do that. Now I go to Bing Chat Enterprise, click the M365 search, and I say, what's Harold's schedule today? Off he goes and brings it back to me. Here's a meeting here, here, here. It's just, so much time. Mind-blowing. Yes, mind-blowing. Very conscious of time, you're a man in demand. Uh, You and I are actually heading off tonight to Rochdale to be uh, guests of honour, so to speak, for uh, the SBSC Northwest Group run by Robert Gibbons, another uh, industry legend there. Said to Rob earlier, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm great to be holding on to Phil's coattails here. I know who people are turning. It's sold out, and I know people are turning up for Phil. Owen Richards there as well. Uh, <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. But I can't let you go. It's been a number of years since we spoke on the podcast. We've given little brief glances into who Philip Morgan is as a person. I waxed lyrical about you earlier. I dearly love you. You've been a fantastic influence on me. You're the son of a farmer, grew up in uh, in Wales, uh, built a technology empire. You know, you're a technology empire. <laughs> Empire. <laughs> I should be stroking a furry cat here now, shouldn't I? He's got a white cat on his lap. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. You are a technological entrepreneur uh, who has done very, very well in business. But who is Phil Morgan outside of work? Can we can we talk about your role as a, a father, as a pastor of a church, that type of thing? Yeah, and, and look, um, fundamentally, I'm driven by the bigger things in life. I'm very fortunate that uh, life's been so kind to me in health and relationships and uh, business success. I, I, I live a very charmed life. I'm talking to you today pain-free. That's something that a lot of people don't get, right? So 
I live life with a constant attitude of gratitude, knowing that uh, I'm so privileged to have been born in this country uh, and to have been given the opportunities that I've been given. And so a big part of my life was really understanding that and wanting to give back. Part of the reason why I started a business was uh, I worked for an idiot during uh, holidays uh, in college. And I worked for somebody and I vowed I would never treat people like that. And so the way I am as a leader is the fact that I I want to value people. I want to treat people with respect. So so for me to have been doing, and again, read maybe my LinkedIn biography rather than get bored listening to me here, you know, over why I do what I do. So, you know, fundamentally I'm driven by my faith. Um, and, you know, when it's all said and done, I love the phrase from a guy called Bill Hybels in North America that mm. says this, uh, I wish I'd spent more time in the office, said nobody on their deathbed. <laughs> ever. Ever. <laughs> ever. And it's so easy, isn't it, to get caught up in, uh, you know, this, that, fads and everything else like that and the whole kind of FOMO and stuff of life because, you know, the, the internet and social media has changed a lot of life. But at the end of the day, I'm a simple soul. Uh, there's nothing I love more than to have my family around me. Um, I'm married to the amazing Ruth who you've, uh, you've met on several occasions. And uh, I've got three wonderful um, children and now two grandchildren, Solomon and yeah. Saint. And um, I, I just love that I get to travel the world, getting lots of things out of my head in terms of passion. And it just means that when I get home in the evening and the weekends, I can maybe be uh, a reasonable husband, a kind of a above average dad and uh, an above average granddad. And those are the things that motivate and inspire me because that's what I will leave behind. Mm, it's um, the legacy. It's the legacy that I leave behind. Because you can say, ah, oh, you can leave a cash and you can leave, and you know, they're not never gonna, there's never gonna be a library or a football stand that's gonna be named after me. Um, but I can change hearts and lives, can't I? I can leave a legacy that's there. Um, that will long outlast me, I hope. Yeah. Can we talk about the beautiful girls for a minute? Uh, <laughs> so I caught up with Karis, you're, you know, wonderful earlier. And people, listeners may not know, you've got a very famous, uh, well, uh, the three girls, you've got a famous daughter in there as well. Are you comfortable talking about that? Well, it all depends because Karis has got more Instagram followers than Fionn. So <laughs> define fame. And I should say, <laughs> with, I've invited Karis. She's going to come on the podcast in a few weeks' time. Lovely. As well. So, um, listeners, you'll be able to meet uh, Karis very, very soon. But Fionn, of course, is uh, she's an international footballer, isn't she? Yeah, a former Pax 8 employee yeah. as well. Uh, so, she was uh, with us at Pax 8 for a while, and uh, then uh, uh, she was fortunate to be going full time with Bristol City that won promotion. So, yes, she is a professional footballer uh, that represents Wales and, uh, and uh, Bristol City. And I think, look, all of us have dreams and aspirations, and um, someone's daughter or someone's son has got to play for Wales or England or whatever one day, isn't it? Never thought it'd be us. Um, you know, but it's, it's quite weird when it happens and people think you you must be so proud. And I think most of it, I, Ruth and I always like pinch us, like, are we getting to, yeah. to do this? Because I know like it, it, when they're living life in the limelight, it's a big thing. It's a challenge, you know, it's very mm -hmm. difficult for Fionn and I to, because uh, Pax 8 is in Bristol as well, is difficult. I can't take 
<laughs> her out for dinner and yeah. stuff like that. And, uh, you know, there's a dimension to it that's difficult because she's giving up a lot of privacy and a lot of things in, in her life. But um, she's making a difference where she is in football, right? Yeah. Great culture and, uh, and what they're doing there. And particularly the big the thing that's important to Fionn is she's wanting to aspire a generation of young women that can make a difference in Absolutely. the world, right? Which is so cool, isn't it? Yeah. I do get, uh, my wife Claire and I do get a little bit torn having known Fionn since she, since she was a little girl, get a bit torn when England and Wales play. <laughs> the women's international was like, well, where, where do we go with her? But that's, you know, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? Yeah. I, I want to talk very, very briefly about your faith as well, if you're comfortable yeah. doing that. So um, again, you know, this isn't something I've spoken publicly about, but you were at my wedding, Claire yes. and I. Uh, so I've been married for seven years now to Claire, uh, live in the northeast of England. And uh, uh, Claire had been married before and she said, I don't want the big marriage or anything. We just want people, we just want family there. And so we didn't tell any friends or anything like that. We literally said, we'll book the registry office in Birmingham and, uh, you know, rock up and get married. And it was a wonderful day. But you were there. You did me the great honour. So Claire's mum uh, is a person of faith. And I said, well, you know, I want to want to start things the right way with my mother-in-law. <laughs> uh, and so I phoned you up and said, uh, I'm getting married. Uh, and, and, that's a, and that's a funny you said, story. What are you doing on the weekend? That, that was it. <laughs> I said, What? And I said, Yeah, I'm there, man. Yeah. <laughs> Once we'd finished crying and, and congratulating yeah. Jason, because we are both sensitive sausages, aren't we? Yeah. You did me the great honour of coming and saying a few words um, uh, to, to, uh, to family who had turned up there. Tell me about the church in Wales. Tell me about the background, because I've visited your church and I've, I've come along, I've watched uh, sermons, and I'm not a person of faith, as we talk about. We have some wonderful philosophical conversations. I'm not somebody who's ever gone to church, but yourself, I've watched the, the church sermons. Uh, they're very modern, they're very upbeat, they're very inspiring. And the church itself is a very inspiring building as well. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the church is Calon Church, Calon, C-A-L-O-N. Uh, just Google it if you want to uh, have a look at that. And Calon is the Welsh name because we're Welsh and uh, that's where the congregation is uh, in Armonford in West Wales. Uh, and Calon is the Welsh word for heart. Uh, so remember me talking to you about heart, yeah. head, uh, hands, um, and you're probably the greatest servant leader that we know, um, believe it or not, was Jesus. And if people don't believe that, think about it in the time of the context of it. And, uh, you, you know, and again, uh, please, uh, you know, everybody that's listening to you, I'm not here to push my faith, but I'm happy to answer questions. But what I found fascinating, because uh, I was brought up to go to a chapel and everything, and I went my weirdly way, uh, and then realized like, lots of different things, particularly success coming my way, and money becoming a problem to me, and, and different things, and uh, really having a uh, probably a wrong center in my life that I was trying to serve the wrong things, so to speak, or chasing the wrong things, maybe even worshiping the wrong things, if I say that. You know, some people worship here we are in, in this wonderful city of Manchester. There are people that worship certain stadiums around here, right? Uh, <laughs> Two in particular. Religiously, yeah. right? Um, so, <clears throat> so we have a tendency to be consumed by things as individuals. It's just how I believe we're wired as human beings. People might disagree with that, whatever. Great, I'm happy to disagree and uh, respectfully. Um, so for me, though, it became a real you know, understanding who Jesus is was a, a big part of my life and has been then for other people like Patrick Lencioni and Ken Blanchard and so many other great, great business leaders. And most people don't know that they're actually followers of Jesus, but they just keep it low key because there's a difference between being a person of faith 
to being religious. Mm. So what religious people do is they slam it down your throats and they, you know, they're quite like this way or that. They're actually like just extremists. That's mm. what they are, right? They polarize people and there's extremists everywhere. Democrat, Republicans, conservatives, socialists, they're everywhere if we look around us. That's why we should never talk about religion or politics. Mm -hmm. So who is it we're going to follow? Well, people will comfortably talk about Gandhi and talk about uh, Abraham Lincoln and talk about other people, you know, in terms of what they were trying to do to change the world. And I think fundamentally, and uh, I, I love Ken, Ken Blanchard, he writes, uh, I think it's in Lead Like Jesus. I think it's his, it's his, his, his book about the life of Jesus. Uh, he turns around and says, uh, Jesus was clearly the greatest leader of the earth, uh, on the earth and nobody would have bet on him. And he says, my case is this, he said, is that uh, the Roman Empire with all of its uh, you know, power and its authority and all of its controls. We don't see many Roman centurions around the street right now, but we still bump into Christians all over the world uh, today. He says, and secondly, and this is probably the slam dunk, uh, all over the world you will have uh, parents that will call their kids uh, Jesu and Jesus and everything else like that, and we call our dogs uh, Nero and Caesar. So mm. maybe that's, <laughs> that's, that's a really good word for me. I want to make a point as well on this, and thank you for sharing so openly about your, your faith and you know, the influence and that. And the reason I do it uh, for the benefit of the listener is I know um, you know faith can be sometimes a polarizing topic. And I mentioned I'm uh, I'm not somebody who goes to church. You and I have debated about it. I, I'm not a person of faith and then perhaps whatever the wordy you know semantics and things but I'm not somebody who goes to church or yeah. you know considers uh, himself on that however some of the biggest influences in my life have been people from the Christian faith um, and some of the, the 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 biggest virtual mentors that I've come across thanks to you you've opened my eyes to, to some of the people so you mentioned Bill Hybels yeah. there uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick as well I often quote him you know especially with social media and things like that so the lesson you know lesson I'm not uh, being condescending towards anybody here but if listener like me you're perhaps somebody who thinks about you're not a person of faith and you think oh I don't want to talk about any of that stuff there is a absolute treasure trove of wisdom and learnings to be had by looking into uh, leaders of faith uh, and I want to give a big shout out here for a, an event that you introduced me to many years ago the Global Leadership Summit yeah, GLS, GLS. Uh, you invited me along and I was a bit trepidatious I've got to say yeah, oh, I yeah. don't want to go Christian business conference what's this about <laughs> you know and uh, we went along and it was profound conference it really did open my eyes uh, the business wisdom you know the wisdom for leading people so check out the Global Leadership Summit I've just signed up for the virtual event for next year's summit and I've gone every year since then. But wonderful summit. You can probably catch it at a, a church near to you. You don't have to be a person of faith. Nope. You won't burst into flames as soon as you walk into a church <laughs> or anything like myself, a heathen. Uh, but there is so much wisdom to be caught there. So we'll make sure that is in uh, the show notes as well. But thank you for speaking uh, openly about that. We have come to the end of our time. I've already taken up more time than I promised. I'm timekeeping not higher my agenda, but you're just so much fun to talk to, my friend. I love having you on the show. As we sort of sign out here, uh, let's get back to Paxite very briefly at the end. What does the next 
18 months to three years hold for PAX 8. What can we expect next from PAX 8? So, a PAX 8 Beyond, I hope we can have that. But right yeah. now, it's, it's probably about scaling what it is we're doing. Um, so the, our focus at this moment in time is uh, around sustainability, building something that is uh, simple, repeatable, scalable, and resilient, um, and growing, uh, you know, kind of staying a billion dollar startup, you know, that is hard to continue to uh, have every member of our team doing it with a passion that we have as we go through the stages of the number of people that are on our team. Because you do, you know, dilution is a real thing when it comes to yeah. culture and values and processes and everything. So for us, the big thing for us at the moment in time is to continue the work that we're doing, uh, mobilizing our team and motivating them to be able to uh, do that. You know, we, we've got enough on our plates to do that. Uh, we would love to be in, in a position, you know, there's Acquisitions is a key part of our strategy. Uh, we would love to see us doing uh, one or two, if we if we could, over the next uh, couple of years as well. Mainly down to the fact that, you know, we're getting customers all over the world that want to buy from Pax Eight, uh, like you were talking about uh, at the beginning. You know, when you're looking at Pax Eight in North America, say when you come into Europe, you yeah. know that famous Paul Dadge and Gemma Telford uh, lunch that we had in uh, October. Little did I know I was actually being interviewed at that time. But, hey, oh, that's, that's the stuff. And, uh, but I have bought Paul Dadge a drink. Good. Uh, Good. And off, off the back of that. But the, the whole point that, I, that I'm saying here is that, uh, you know, we think it's a justice thing that wherever people, so for example, in South Africa right now, you can't transact with Pax 8. Um, so we think it's a God-given right that somebody as an MSP should be able to buy from us mm. from there. So we're trying to do that as well to deliver our services in every, uh, in every territory in the world that we can. Super excited. And I know we've got a lot of listeners who run MSPs in Pax 8. So you, you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> Team South Africa, Pax 8 coming there soon. Phil, this has been absolutely wonderful. I'm going to, for the benefit of listeners, not only have we got the show notes at tublog.co.uk, Phil and I got into our stride there, mentioned dozens of books, resources, yeah. people, all sorts of things. Don't worry about that. We've got you back. Tublog.co.uk for the show notes for this episode. I also want to say we, we get every time we run an episode with uh, somebody from Pax 8 like yourself, we get a ton of questions about Pax 8, you know, and, and we've done all sorts of videos, all sorts of blog posts, podcasts, and things. So go to tub.co forward slash Pax8, that's P-A-X and then the number eight. And we've got a resource kit there with just about everything we've ever done on the Pax8 side of things. You are the most enthusiastic man on the planet. We know that. Uh, new time, first time listeners to you will have learned that very quickly <laughs> there. If anybody listening wants to continue the conversation with you, wants to get in touch with Phil Morgan or find out more about Pax8, where can they find you online? So I'm fortunate now, uh, due to the, the uh, internet age and uh, things like search engines, and the fact that my father uh, named me after Philip the Evangelist in the Bible, in the Welsh Bible, and Philip in Welsh is spelled P-H-Y-L-I-P. So just Google Philip Morgan, and uh, I come up there in the first three or four, follow me uh, on LinkedIn, whatever, I'm on YouTube and stuff for the December uh, uh, prediction that I yeah. will send out this year um, and again on most of the so social channels uh, I'm on there as well uh, or send me an email pmorgan at pax8.com You are one of the most 
open, honest, uh, giving people that I know. As I said, I make no bones about this. I know it makes some people uncomfortable. I love you dearly as a friend. You've been a fantastic influence on me and my whole team. So Philip Morgan with a Y. Yes. The most enthusiastic man on the planet. Thank you for joining me on Tub Talk. I appreciate you. Thanks for the opportunity to come on again. Cheers. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.